0: Hello hope for the last few weeks as pastor Jeff said we have been in the midst of our activated series and we are looking at the book of acts and at how god used events that were going on in their world to spread the gospel around the globe we talked about the amazing growth of 3000 believers being added in one day and how every day after that more and more believers were added to their number And then we talked about how this vibrant church was suddenly faced with persecution. Persecution that scattered those believers all over. And Jesus, before he ascended into heaven, had told them that they would need to be witnesses to Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And while they were more than happy to share about Jesus, these were most likely not the circumstances they thought it would be under. And if we're completely honest, there was still a wall, a boundary, which was going to be preventing them from effectively fulfilling God's call. You see, they had lived their lives as God's chosen people. A nation unto themselves. Their history is one of being overtaken, of being conquered, of invading forces coming, of taking the people away as slaves to other lands. Because of this, we saw God's provision throughout the Old Testament in helping to keep them separate, set apart. We see them thriving on isolation so that they were not taken away by gods of other cultures, so that they were not distracted and led astray. Their understanding of the Messiah was based on their history. The Messiah would come to be the king of the Jews. As a result of their history, there were basic rules that they had put in place. And those rules were really both for their physical and their cultural safety. You weren't supposed to be associating with Gentiles. You wouldn't be going into their homes. You wouldn't be sharing meals together. This ethnocentrism, as it were, was written deeply into who they were because it protected them. But because of that, it would never occur to them that perhaps Jesus came for more than just the Jews. But as we know, Jesus had very different plans. And even though his disciples watched as he ministered to the Samaritan woman at the well, someone who should have been an enemy as he offered her forgiveness, as he revealed to her heart who he was, and as he sent her out to tell others about him. They still didn't understand. And even though he taught them, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. He was very straightforward. Time and again, he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Despite these examples and countless more, the disciples really hadn't understood the magnitude of Jesus' mission. And when he ascended into heaven and the Holy Spirit came upon the apostles, they were faithful and they were ready to set out into the world and share about Jesus. But their world had a narrow definition. And this is where we land in the book of Acts, chapters 10 and 11. The apostles are scattered due to the persecution. Word of their teaching is spreading. Word of this man named Jesus, who rose from the dead, is spreading. Word of the miracles the disciples are performing in his name is spreading. And people, all kinds of people are curious and this is where we find Peter staying with a man named Simon the Tanner after having just spread and preached and talked about the gospel we find him having a dream so he's hungry and as dinner is being prepared he goes up to the roof of the house where he is staying and he goes into a sort of a trance And in this vision, he sees a sheet being lowered from heaven by four corners. And all on this sheet are animals of every kind. Hooved animals, reptiles, birds, all kinds of animals. And Peter hears a voice. And the voice says to him, Go, kill whatever you would like and eat. And Peter's like, no. (laughs) No. no, sorry, this is a trick question because we are not allowed to do that. That is not what we are called to do. We are not supposed to eat many of these things because they are considered unclean, and I don't want to be unclean. And a voice speaks to him and says, Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. Now this happens three times. Peter has a thing with threes, I'm noticing. You know, he betrays Jesus three times, and he, um, Peter, or Jesus asks him, do you love me three times, and now this vision occurs to him three times, and three times he argues. No, I'm not going to go do that. And three times he hears clearly, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. And he awakens from this dream, and, and he's still wrestling with what the full meaning of this is. What is God trying to tell me here? Because clearly three times it's God. And as that's happening, there is a knock on the door. And there are three men outside. Now, these three men are not Jews. These are Gentiles. They are specifically Romans. This should cause fear in the heart of Peter. Rarely could anything good come to a bunch of Romans knocking on a Jewish leader's door. But God speaks directly to his heart. And he tells them, go with these men. And so Peter goes downstairs and he welcomes them in. The next morning, Peter and these men and some friends, they head out to a man named Cornelius' house. Now, Cornelius is a Roman centurion, again, not a Jewish man, a Gentile. Centurions are even more so people that pe- typically Peter would have concerns about associating with for his own safety, but Cornelius was different. Cornelius was a good man who gave to the poor, who cared for those in his care, and he was a friend to the Jewish people. So Peter arrives, and they welcome him in, and Cornelius has gathered a crowd of friends. There is a gathering of people who are anxious and waiting to hear what Peter has to tell them, because God had appeared to Cornelius and had said, Go and find Peter and bring him here. You will learn from him. Now, Peter begins with a statement that is very telling. He says to them, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. He's starting to get it. He's starting to recognize what this vision God laid before him was about. He wants to be sure they understand this is not the norm. But God called me here. And so he begins to teach. He talks about who Jesus was, he talks about his ministry, he talks about the crucifixion, about Jesus' resurrection. And as he is speaking, the Holy Spirit comes. On everyone who hears his message and Peter and those who had traveled with him were amazed because they heard these Gentiles speaking in tongues and praising God they were witnessing the Holy Spirit ascending on these people just as it had on them and Peter said surely no one can stand in the way of, being, of their being baptized with water, for they have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. In teaching, we call this the aha moment. You know, that second where you see it click and the students finally get what you've been trying to teach them. And I think that all of heaven was upstairs experiencing this aha moment when Peter and his friends finally understood Jesus isn't just for us. Jesus is for everyone. And as we read on in Acts, we see that the apostles all over the land are having similar experiences. The Gospel of Jesus is being shared throughout the non-Jewish world. Now, some of the original apostles back in Jerusalem, they're hearing what's happening, they're hearing rumors of Peter eating with Gentiles and baptizing them. And and what on earth is going on? And they're a little upset about this. And so they speak to Peter, and they're like, dude, what is happening? Like, this is not okay. And Peter said, wait a minute, let me tell you what I've seen. And he explains not just the vision, but all that they witnessed happen at Cornelius' house. That they got to be eyewitnesses to the Holy Spirit moving in miraculous ways. And they are amazed. They are in awe of what God is doing. And they become excited to be a part of it. Because now you remember this persecution, right? They're all over the place. Well, a number of people landed out in Antioch. Now this is far from a Jewish state, and it is quite a ways away. But word of Jesus begins to spread. It begins to take hold in the hearts and minds of the people there. So much so, that back in Jerusalem, they realize, we need to send some leadership over there. Because there is a whole bunch of people. We need to send people over there to help them grow and learn. And so they send Barnabas. And he goes to Antioch, and he teaches, and he meets with these people, and he very quickly realizes he is over his head. And he Apparently, Siri is having trouble hearing me. (laughs) I'll speak up. Barnabas is over his head, and so he goes to find Paul. And he brings Paul back to Antioch, and they spend a year teaching and sharing with the believers that are there. You know what's really cool? This is the first place we hear the term Christian. Christ followers. And I think it is no mistake that it was amongst a Gentile groundswell that this took hold. This revolution looked vastly different than what they imagined it would. But why should that be a surprise? From Jesus' birth in a manger to his ministry, to his crucifixion and resurrection, nothing was as expected. And you know what? It's still true today. I don't know about you, but I am still shocked when things don't play out the way I think they should. I was gonna be a teacher, not a pastor. We lived in North Jersey, not back down here where I grew up. Last year was gonna be business as usual not something completely foreign that none of us have ever experienced before. Life today does not look like it did last year, two years ago, five years ago, or even 10 years ago. We're in the middle of a cultural shift. It began well before the pandemic, but this global event expedited the shift. Traditions and expectations are being questioned. Communications have connected us globally, allowing for a greater understanding of the world around us and events happening across the globe. We, here in America, have become an on-demand nation. For better or for worse. But if we're honest, in many ways, the church as a whole has not kept up. It struggled. It struggled in the desire to cling to the way things have been. And yet, then can't understand why people today don't want to come back. We are suddenly experiencing a generation who has never set foot in a church. Or those who have may be wounded by their experiences. But we want them to just jump on board and come on back in to a church at the exact specific time we've allocated you should come to worship. Many churches today expect a world with only a marginal knowledge of who Jesus is, to reorient their lives to his priorities, particularly when their experiences with Christians may have been harsh, angry, or divisive. Today, perhaps more than ever in recent history, we are being called to think outside of the box. What would it look like to make a first step, a first connection for someone attainable? What is an invite that might resonate with someone? How can I be sure to demonstrate Jesus' love so that when I make the invite, they're interested? Here at Hope, that's why we do things like the Christmas tree lighting or the gingerbread house housemaking. It's, it's why we have events like yesterday with our tie-dye family fun events. Opportunities for people to set foot on a campus and get to know us to see that we just want to love them and get to know them. It's an easy ask and a non-threatening first step. Online campus has become, in many ways, that easy ask as well. Pastor Rick talked about this last week. They're not having to commit and come in and see people that they may not know and be intimidated by, they can experience it in their own homes comfortably. In many ways, when he was talking about it, it made me think a little bit of uh, password sharing. So uh, if you're a cord cutter, you know that password sharing is just part of the deal. You know, I'll give you my Disney Plus sign-in for your Paramount, or, uh, or here's my HBO Max for your Hulu, Right? <laughs> Each company has their own rules and regulations about sharing, but most are very quick to admit they really don't mind. In fact, HBO's CEO recently explained that they are playing the long game. He explained that they are in the business of making addicts. So the more viewers, the better. Basically, their philosophy is the more people who are watching, the more who will, become, who will want to see the end of that series, who will then go and tell all of their friends about how great this series is, and their friends will then sign up to join HBO Max or whatever this, the channel is. So they recognize that password sharing works to their advantage. It's a good business move. It's also something that's widely applicable. We are in the business of making Jesus addicts. I know, sounds terrible, but here's the thing. Once you've truly tried him, you don't want to do life without him. Those who know him desperately want to share him. What happens when you find a series you love? You tell everyone, right? You've heard us do it here over the past weeks, three or four times we've mentioned from the platform, the Chosen series. Why? Because it made an impression on us. It stirred something in us. It touched us in a way I didn't expect. And we believe it will touch others, too. That's why we share. It's why we share about Jesus. And Peter was all about sharing. He had been traveling and preaching and teaching about Jesus, but only with a heart for those like him. God called Peter to go somewhere he was uncomfortable going. He called him to step outside of everything he thought he knew and to trust Jesus, to trust that God's love was bigger than Peter's fears, that it included everyone even those Peter was sure God didn't love. He is calling us to do the same. Is there somewhere we have been afraid to share? At work, with our families, with our friends? Have we deemed someone unlovable? Someone who looks different, speaks differently, lives their lives differently? maybe belongs to a different political party peter loved jesus but up until now he did not understand how big god's love could be god showed him the love he had for the gentiles by pouring out his holy spirit on them and we literally see peter's eyes open when he says So if God gave them the same gift he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? Is there somewhere that we are standing in God's way? With the best of intentions, clinging on to familiar or safe things? Are we stuck in Old Testament thinking when we should be living in a New Testament promise? God is poised to do amazing things today, to bring a revival out of a pandemic. The method he uses might not look like what we're used to. He is calling us, asking us, will you go? Will you share? Are you brave enough to follow me into the unknown? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, you are an amazing God, and Lord, we are the first to admit that we are comfortable in our box, Lord, that often we are afraid to step out, and we are so grateful, Lord, that you call us to. We are so grateful, Lord, that you are bigger than what we could ever imagine, that your plans are greater than anything we could conceive. And so, God, we ask that you would help us to be bold, that you would fill us with the Holy Spirit, Lord, that you would open doors, that we might proclaim who you are in our lives. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunities you give. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week, Hope.